the official sound of the Midwest. Midwest Girls is made up of two friends who turn co-host. Meg and I will take you on a raw and unfiltered journey through our lives as followers of Jesus. Whether we are sharing truth and biblical wisdom, giving relationship advice, or telling stories of our dogs, we seek to exist as a platform to give encouragement and love while maintaining our motto to be unashamedly bold, truthful, and genuine in the name of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Enjoy the show. Hey y'all, welcome back to Midwest Girls. Thank you so much for listening today. Today we are going to be presenting John 17 Part 2. I just preached this sermon yesterday at our church and um, it is based on unity and I hope y'all like it so much. Throughout this sermon you will see a couple videos that are presented from The Chosen. I did record those as well so you guys can hear the audio version of the scenes that were shown for this message. So you will see us kick off with a chosen episode. Um, it lasts about 10 minutes, and then there's about a four-minute scene halfway through, but it all ties together. So thank you so much for listening today. And if you do want to donate to Level One International, they are their link is in our comments. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Simon. It's been a month since you visited Ima. You know how it's been work and... I know, I haven't been a good... Please, please listen to me. I haven't been honest with you. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texted. I've got texted. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things. I'm not proud of to fix it. And now it's gone bad. And... <coughs> We're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. We could lose the house. What? If I don't catch a ton of fish, I'll get some help somehow. They'll arrest me. Yeah, so I need to go. Go where? The fish, I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. But no more talking. Maybe God can get your attention now. Andrew? James and John, I presume. And who brought the old man? I heard you need a real fisherman. Well... Uh, there are only so many hours in the night, huh? Let's fish. Zeb, come around. Sometimes the sea bests all of us. Like your night. 
Simon. It's him. Excuse me. Simon. That's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him. Simon. It's the man. John said he's here. Right now. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. I could stand on your boat. That would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. This net gathers fish, all kinds of fish. Yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
So today we are diving back into John 17. Uh, last week we went over John 17, 1 through 19. We talked about the Trinity. We talked about three of the prayers of Jesus. And if you, it's keep them in your name, keep them from evil, and make them holy. We also talked about manning our posts last week. And if you, I pray that, I prayed for y'all this past week. I prayed that if you didn't know what your post was, that it was revealed to you this week. I prayed that if you just needed help resetting yourself to your post, that that happened this week as well. Um, but this week, we're going to dive into John 17, 20 through 26, and we are going to talk about unity through these verses. Um, so the video that we just watched uh, was from The Chosen, and uh, Angie, you can officially make it into heaven because you've seen an episode of The Chosen, a little bit of The Chosen. It's a joke. It's an inside joke. So, um, and, But obviously that scene was from the calling of Peter, Simon Peter. And uh, something that I didn't even notice it until I was sitting here and watching it for probably the fifth time, um, just the differences between Andrew and Peter and their responses to what Jesus said. But Andrew also was with John the Baptist for a little bit of time. And so he kind of knew what was happening based on John the Baptist's teaching. But I, Andrew's just like, yes, yes, yes. And then Peter is just very, come on, like, 
What? But it shows that there is all kinds of personalities within the kingdom, right? And so I want you to remember this scene as we talk about unity. And then later I have another video. It's not as long, I promise. Um, but it involves Peter and just how quickly he forgot who he was before Jesus. Okay, so let's pray real quick and then we'll dive into, back into John 17. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity today. I pray over all these hearts that are here today with us, Lord. Remind them how loved they are and how much you care for them as individuals. Not because of the things that they do or how much they know, but because they are your son, and, son or daughter in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read from... John 17, 20 through 26, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may, know, may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in, may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We are one in communion with Christ. We are one in glory and we are one in mission. Why is it so hard for us to be in unity today? Whether it's little C church or big C church, why is it so difficult to grasp that we are meant to be unified. John 17, 20 through 26 shows us in Jesus's high priestly prayer that he wants us to be unified through him. And why can't we seem to accomplish this? Well, here is what I believe personally, and some of you might get a little upset with me, but just know that what I'm saying to you, I'm also saying to myself, but I believe we are weaker than we want to believe. And because of that, where we should depend on God, we depend on ourselves. And that is how Satan sneaks his way into the church or anywhere holy, anywhere where his name is being spoken. So I told you last week, I'm gonna read a little bit from the screw tape letters as a reference. And I highly recommend this book again. I think I said it about six times last week. I'll probably say about five times this week, but Seriously, get the book. Um, it shows how spiritual warfare works and, and in today's day and age, we need to believe that it's real. We need to believe that spiritual warfare is happening because just because we don't wanna recognize it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's there, so let's acknowledge it. But anyways, to set the scene of this whole book, it's in this older demon is mentoring a younger demon and the older demon is punishing him because he let his assignment or patient become a Christian, but then starts to show him and tell him that not all is lost. 
and he starts to school this younger demon on how to take the joy in Jesus from this young believer, how to distract him, how to take the purpose of his calling and the great mission that God has on his life. And so this letter will show you uh, this process, but first, this is fiction, this is, but it's, it's way too close to reality, I think of how it works. But he says, one of the great allies to division at present is the church itself. Now don't misunderstand me, the older demon said. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. I'm gonna pause real quick and say that this church is, this is the church that I wanna be a part of. I don't know how many days I have left on this earth, but I wanna be part of a unified church that makes Satan scramble. So back to the letters. This, I confess, is a spectacle that makes our boldest tempters uneasy, but fortunately it is quite invisible to these humans. All your patient sees, the patient being the new Christian, all your patient sees is the half-finished sham gothic erection on the new building estate. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with his rather oily expression on his face, bustling up to offer him one shiny little book containing a liturgy, which neither of them understands, and one shabby little book containing corrupt texts of a number of religious lyrics, mostly bad. So... This is a little fun fact. C.S. Lewis did not like the singing of the church at his time. He thought it was bad music, put the bad lyrics sung by bad singers. And so that's just a little uh, side note to maybe why he wrote that last line there. It was just his way of getting his opinion in there even more. But the older demon says when he gets to his pew and looks around him, he sees just that selection of neighbors who he has to try to avoid. You want to lean pretty heavenly on those neighbors. Make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the pew next to him. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people the next pew really contains. You may know them, you may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side. The enemy in this text is Jesus. No matter your patient, thanks to our father below is a fool provided that any of those neighbors sing out of tune or have boots that squeak or have a double chin or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must there to be somehow ridiculous. And at this present stage, you will see that he has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but in fact is largely pictorial. Work hard then on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient during his first few weeks as a churchman. When the church of Jesus Christ is unified, they are one. As we read about in John 17, this is what C.S. Lewis would say is a mighty army with banners, which is terrifying, terrifying to the deeds of darkness. And so Satan has got to keep us fighting one another, biting one another, devouring one another to keep this from happening. Because if we were actually able to walk in the unity that Jesus is praying for here in John 17, there would be a lot of damage to the kingdom of darkness. So what's at stake today? 
What is that stake today? If we are not unified, it is our joy, our life in Jesus, that life bursting forth. That is, that is what is on the line today. Because if we give ourselves over to the distrust and the anxiety and the anger of our day, rather than being the unified love one another, even as we disagree, come together and fight for what is true and good in the gospel, if we are unwilling to fight for that, we will fill our lives with a lot of yeah buts. Then what's at stake today is the world seeing the beauty of Jesus and his people as he brings his people together. So unity, do you know what we are up against today? We are up against the world that we are living right now. The misinformation and disinformation that we are constantly being pelted with. Okay, here. Who, who knows exactly who to believe of the world in 2022? Who can tell me exactly where you can get reliable, truthful information the news, right? We can get all of our factual information from the news these days, right? That was sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Facebook. I'm so sick of being lied to by the world, but here is the good news. The good news is, as Jesus prays in John 17, he reminds us that through him, we are no more of the world than he is. Jesus is who we trust in this world. There is nobody in the world that we can trust, but Jesus, who is not of this world, we can trust. And that is all we need. Jesus is the ultimate unifier. And, oh, and John 17, through 23 says, I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have, and have loved me, even have loved them, even as you have loved me. When studying these scriptures, it made me think, obviously, about the world today and the division that is within everything and how politics push division, how even more, and how media pushes division even more behind division you can see that, that the active agent behind all of this nonsensical stuff is the principalities and powers, the demonic spirits whose main focus is destroying everything that they can destroy. Their, their focus is just to destroy anything good, anything godly. And then the 12 disciples popped into my mind because there's politics then Heck, within this small group of 12, you had Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Matthew had worked for Rome. Simon swore to kill anybody who was with Rome. Do you know what that would look like today? That would look like somebody decked out in MAGA gear in this same small group as someone who swore an alliance with Antifa. And Jesus put them in the same small group. <laughs> what? These two men should hate each other through worldly eyes. I actually believe that Matthew slept with one eye open for the first 
part of his journey because at that point he didn't understand that through Jesus we are all adopted into the kingdom and in that kingdom division is dissolved there is so much power in the name of Jesus that when his name is spoken division just so I have another video I want to play for you from the chosen on the calling of Matthew and I want you to watch Peter here because we saw how Peter was a broken man before Jesus, but we'll see how Peter tries to stop another broken man from fulfilling his calling. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next, you're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. must be nice to live in the world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're going to throw it all away. Yes. And there. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? Grab it without thinking. Can you put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Did anybody notice what Peter said at the end? It's different. I'm not a tax collector. It's not, 
We're all, we're all sinners. It doesn't matter how we sin, we, just, we are sinners. <laughs> that video actually gives me chills so many times. Every time I watch it, it humbles me because it reminds me how quickly we forget. And sometimes after we become Christians and we start walking in our faith, we forget where we started as we have an example in Peter, Simon Peter. When others are trying to make the same change that we once did, we judge them based on their circumstances because they may look different than ours. Or we might simply have a pride issue. And I am here to tell you that where there is pride, there is no unity. In John MacArthur's book, 12 Ordinary Men, each chapter is titled with one of the disciples' names in a short way to describe them. I could like dissect each of these disciples so much. It's very interesting to me of how all these men were so different, but they were all common men with an uncommon calling, meaning they were different, but had the same missional call put on their life by Jesus. So here are the 12 disciples in their short description. And the first one makes me laugh. Peter, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth, Andrew, the apostle of small things, James, James, the apostle of passion, John, the apostle of love, Philip, the bean counter, Nathaniel, the guileless one, Matthew, the tax collector, Thomas, the twin, James, the less, Simon, the zealot, Judas, not Iscariot, the apostle with three names, and Judas, the traitor. And so, but, so today, we're focusing on unity, and we're gonna look at the, these short descriptions alone, we can see their differences. But let's look back at Peter. We're gonna focus on poor Peter. He gets picked on so much, doesn't he? But for me, he is so relatable because I'm, I also am a foot-shaped mouth person. Um, I've said a lot of stupid things in my life. Uh, so here are a few facts about Peter. Peter's name is mentioned in the gospels more than any other name except Jesus. No one speaks as often as Peter. No one is spoken to by the Lord as often as Peter. No one, dis, no one is disciplined so frequently or rebuked by the Lord as Peter. And no disciple ever rebukes the Lord except Peter. In Matthew 16, 22, we see that. No one else confessed Christ more boldly, boldly or acknowledged his Lordship more explicitly. Yet no other disciple ever verbally denied Christ as forcefully or as publicly as Peter did. No one is praised and blessed by Christ the way Peter was, yet Peter was also the only one Christ ever addressed as Satan. The Lord had harsher things to say to Peter than he had said to any of the others. All of that contributed to making him the leader Christ wanted him to be. And what amazes me the most about all of this is that Christ knew all of this about Peter when he called him. He knew that Peter was this bold, um, spoke too quickly, didn't think a lot of things through person. But Jesus saw the man that Peter would become in Christ, not the Peter the world saw. Eventually, Peter grew into the leader Jesus needed to be so that he would be sanctified and sent, as we spoke on last week. 
but it was through Peter's adoption into the kingdom of Christ that he was able to make this transformation. And I believe that the first step of being unified as a church is believing that through the blood of Jesus Christ, not only are we forgiven, but others are forgiven too. We are all his sons and daughters and we must stand in unity. John 17, 24 says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. We are one in communion, we are one in glory, and we are one in mission. Jesus prays for us to be perfectly one, perfectly one. That is how the world is supposed to know that God sent Jesus and how he loves us like he loves Jesus. Do you think the church is accomplishing that today? Big C or little C? In some ways, maybe. But I think in today's day and age, the church struggles to be unified because we are more concerned about other people and their walk with God than our own. We are so quick to point fingers. If we didn't have sin in our lives, why would we need a savior? We are here because we are all here because we recognize that Jesus is the only way. Jesus died on the cross to cover our sins with his blood so that those who believe in him are forgiven and adopted into the kingdom of God. Through that adoption, we are united. We become one blood. We become one race. We're not each other's enemies. We all have the same enemy. And he is conniving and he wants to steal and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. And he knows exactly what will, he knows exactly what button to press to get us to do what he wants. (laughs) And that's scary. If we put as much effort into fighting him as we do running our mouths about our brothers and sisters as a whole, big C and little C church can do some damage to the kingdom of darkness. And VBS this year, Vacation Bible School, um, we're actually gonna be talking about this. Uh, I have a book called One Blood, it's by Ken, Ken Ham, and it inspired me enough to write, attempt to write a curriculum for and use it for VBS in July. And um, what started this movement, in, I believe, is our kids are being force-fed all these things about race and their identity. And now more than ever, do kids need to hear that we are all created in the image of God. That the different classes of race is a man-made thing. God created us and designed us very specifically. And he did that to unite us as a human race, not divide us. As we are, I'm gonna wrap up here soon, but I have a little more, so worship team don't come up yet. (laughs) I just want to remind you that there is more going on around you than you know. Spiritual warfare is real and it wants to cause division to stop the kingdom of Jesus from advancing. 
It wants to take us down, but Jesus, Jesus wants to raise us up and stand together in his name. So how do we do that? What does it look like to stand in Jesus's name as a church? How do, what does it look like to be united as a church? By using Jesus's example, it looks like this. First and foremost, we have to have the desire to bring heaven to earth in community. We do this by loving one another as it calls us to do in John 13, 34. Forgiving one another in Colossians 3, 13. And, and, regarding one, and regarding others more highly than ourselves as it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. We are to teach and correct one another as it calls us to do in Colossians 3.16. Encourage one another as it calls us to do in First Seth oh gosh, Thessalonians 5.11. James 5.16 calls us to pray for one another and bear one another's burdens as Galatians 6.2 teaches us. We are to be devoted to one another as it says in Romans 12.10 to be kind and compassionate as Ephesians tells us in 4.32. And in 1 Peter 4.9, it calls us to be generous in hospitality as we serve and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. People who desire to be in unity, in unity as God calls us to be will internalize God's command. Love one another as I have loved you as it says in John 15, 12, and teach one another to do the same. <sighs> Let's pray. Dear Jesus, wow, how amazing you are. How loved we are by you. Lord, thank you for this reminder today, the reminder of standing united as a church body to serve you. Lord, help us with self-control. Help us shut our mouths when they need to be shut because the tongue is the greatest divider. Lord, protect these hearts as they go out into the world today and shine your light. In your name we pray, amen.